I looked and behold, the heavens were opened. A ninth season. <laughs> we believe in the Trinity. We believe in the five solas. We believe in the doctrines of grace. A lot of the time, people are asking the wrong questions. They're not asking the questions like, do I understand God's grace? Do I understand the cross? single one of us has our own ministry. It doesn't matter if you work as a CEO or you work at McDonald's or whatever you do, or whether you're quote unquote in ministry, you have a ministry. As we mature, we walk, we, we enjoy our relationship with God in as much as we see his majesty in the blessings that we have just by what Yeshua has done for us, not by what we have done to impress God and then get something from him. So faith, but, so, so salvation by faith. Absolutely. Salvation by faith. I keep zeroing in on these, you know, the big ideas. Like, what is biblical love? You know, what is what is grace? Do I have an accurate understanding of God's grace? Our love for Yeshua, but His love, like through us, is why we're doing what we're doing, and that's why it's called Messiah Matters. This is Messiah Matters number 389. I will attempt to not use the word heretic today. My name is Caleb Haig. And I will attempt to not use the word perturbed or skosh. <laughs> oh, I'm for our wives. For our wives. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, all since, about, it's all about our wives. All They're the weaker the vessel. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> so we can't right at the beginning. That. Um, yeah, so, uh, ever since my family had COVID, which was quite a while, eight months ago, we've been getting some, uh, we've been getting some coughs that come back often. And, and right now my voice is showing the strain of COVID from eight months ago. Sounds like I'm a, I'm a base. It's okay. I'll take it. You have, How it's you been, lovid. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Slovid. Very lovid. <laughs> Yes, very low. Anyway, how's it going, man? It's going well. You seem like it's, you're in a good mood. I, I, I'm in a good mood. It's either that or cry, Caleb. Fair. <laughs> yeah, it's just crazy. The world is crazy. 
Um, I agree with I, that. I I just I don't know what would I, what would I do without faith. I mean, like what, there's there's nowhere in the world to be rooted and grounded in anything. Now, here's the thing. That's always true, right? From the beginning, relationship with God is, is it's not like right now, civilization is going wacko, right? <laughs> Independent from like- Ever since, ever since the, the flood, right? right? I mean, yeah. like, yeah. It's so, but it's just, sometimes it feels more intense, I guess. Um, and so in our political climate, I'm talking in the United States, you know, I can't speak for- our friends in other countries and the, the different kinds of governments and political stresses. And of course, even in, in places where there's war and, and brutal violence every day, I mean, that's, that's a, a real sobering, you know, check in terms of, uh, you know, the kind of things going on in the United States. But anyway, it's like, come Yeshua, Maranatha. Did you see that thing about the 50 Catholics that just got slaughtered in what, Nigeria? Oh, in, in, I think in I Catholic heard about Church that on, on Pentecost. But, Here's the thing, man, is that, you know, I've never been a part. I've been a part of a, a good amount of churches in my life. There is not one church that I've ever been a, a, a part of where a gunman could make it two feet inside the front door without becoming Swiss cheese. I mean, even the, you know, even the congregation we're at right now, nobody open carries, but every, well, <laughs> that's not even true. Some people open carry, but the point is, is like, everybody's packing. You know, the grandmother next to you is packing. There's probably, you know, there's probably 250 guns in the, in the building out of 300 people. Half the kids probably have guns. I mean, the, the point is, and you know, everybody's responsible about, responsible about it, but the idea of a gunman walking into that sanctuary and making it, you know, killing 50 people. Yeah, man. It's just, it's shocking. Yeah. Taking guns away from law abiding citizens doesn't make sense. Yeah. Well, all right. Well, Hey, look, let's, uh, let's get to some better, some more uplifting things. We got Carl Matthias in the chat room today. Welcome brother. Carl has utilized our message machine. And he did so by calling 253-465-3205. It's 253-465-3205. We haven't heard that song in a while. Should we play that? Why not, right? Let's play it. Here we go. Messiah Matters wants to hear from you. Leave us a comment, a question or two. Call 253-465-3205. That's right. That's exactly what Carl did. But right before he called that number, you know what he did? He actually emailed chegatorresource.com. It's C-H-E-G-G at torresource.com. This is not a joke, actually. Uh, Carl in the chat room, who, by the way, and we got some... Uh, thank you, Carl, for the voice message. We're going to listen to it in a little while. We're not going to listen to it right now. We're going to listen to it down the road a little bit. But uh, Carl gave a lot of good background to himself in his voicemail. And so I feel a little bit like I know something about Carl, which is always nice when we listen to uh, when we listen to our voice messages. And uh, Carl is a uh, he went to seminary, completed two years of an MDiv. He was a Baptist pastor. And now he is literally sitting in his patrol car. He is a police officer in South Carolina. And so we hope that you stay safe uh, during your shift. 
And uh, yeah, welcome to the chat room and thank you very much for contacting us. And you too, everyone else, you too can contact us by calling our number or shooting us an email, cheggatorresource.com. You can also find all sorts of wonderful resources on torresource.com. That's a place where you can find uh, free resources, uh, all sorts of free resources, and you can also pay for resources as well. If you want to give us some money uh, to help support uh, Torah Resource and this show, you can do so at torresource.com. By the way, that reminds me... Yeah, no no we... one's going to tell you not. No one's going to stop. Yeah, yeah no <laughs> one's going to say no. Um, before I forget, though, we will have a new producer credit for those who do want to help support this show. Once our new producer credit is up, which it should be done by next week, once it's up, you can find it by going to TorahResource.com, hovering over store, and then going down to other materials. On that page, you will find the uh, Messiah Matters producer credit, executive producer credit, and uh, if you want your name to roll up on the screen in the beginning of our show... If you would like a special mug, and if you would like even to possibly have something read on air, then go ahead and get yourself a producer credit. It really does help us, actually. I, I mean, a lot of the equipment that we use has been um, paid for through our producers, and uh, that's one of the reasons we're able to do the show the way we do it. So we really appreciate all y'all. And finally, Carl uh, called back a second time to our hotline, and he asked a question about where to find archived shows. You can find audio of our archive shows on messiahmatters.com. Messiahmatters.com, that's basically all that site is. That's going to change at some point, but we don't know when. It'll uh, all be housed at torresource.com. But for right now, messiahmatters.com is where you're going to find it. And uh, if you want to see video of the shows, if you don't want to just listen to them, we go all the way back to show, I believe, 200 on YouTube. Now, why did we take down the shows before show 200? Well, there was a little bit of a format change. It was very subtle, but uh, we changed format and we stopped being, as my good friend Ben so lovingly called us, the Heresy Hunters. Uh, and so we stopped being the heresy hunters. We stopped naming names, and uh, we just became Messiah Matters. Before and, that, and we're I called... think at, at episode four hundred, we're going to go back to heresy yes, hunters. Yes, yes, exactly. <laughs> now we might do that today a little bit, actually, because of our good Caleb. I'm loving the voice, man. Oh, thank you, lie. man. Yeah, the the, the, the deep. The, I I could be on an acapella. I could play. I could do. Bass you could be introducing seventies uh, progressive <clears throat> rock right now. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's uh, let's also say this. This is the most important thing that we can say so far. Please click the subscribe button if you have not already. We really appreciate it. Okay, that's all. Now, let's jump right in. I think Messiah Matters Mugs looks like the CDC logo this round. It does. That's actually, that is exactly what it is supposed to look like. Nice. So, our graphic artist, let's get it in some light. Our graphic artist, Mike who is probably in the chat room, he takes logos from uh, other companies and then he turns them into our logos. And so uh, this one is- We need a, we need a Starbucks one. Ooh. Okay, Mr. Mr. G. All right. You're on it. Go, go for it, Gonzalez. Mr. G in the TX. All right. <laughs> I don't know what that means, but I'm going to- Mr. Gonzalez in, the te in Texas. Ah, yes, that's right. It's code uh, language, Caleb. Sorry. I'm not down with the, I'm not down. With it's that. like, if I said, look out for six, 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 like you're going to, you know, you got to know what I'm talking about, man. You can't, wow. can't explain everything. Do you guys know who we, Apologia Studios is? Yes. We, uh, I'm never heard of them. <laughs> yeah. 
Uh, Durbin, Mr. Durbin, and Jamie. We had we had uh, we had Durbin. We lived across the street from the Durbins. When I grew oh, really? Up. But not the Jeff Durbins. I really don't know. I got to respect, you know, we've, we've, uh, we've pushed against Jeff, uh, Durbin before on the show, but at the same time, I respect that guy. He's like a seventh degree black belt in Taekwondo and I've seen him fight. It's, it's pretty incredible anyway. Okay. Enough of that. Let's get to it. Oh, okay. So I, so last week, if you remember correctly, I have been kind of doing this thing where I like talking about analogies and I made an analogy and the analogy I thought was a really good analogy, but it really fell flat. And the reason why is this, uh, some people, some, so I thought I was making myself clear and it obviously was not clear. I got some emails, one in particular, this was a comment, but one in particular said, I, I hate it when you guys just bash the Hebrew Roots movement. There are good people in the Hebrew Roots movement. Okay. And my intention last week with my analogy was not to down the Hebrew Roots movement. However, thinking back about it, I probably it probably came across that way. So let's try again. Let's try again. Um I'm trying to think of a good analogy for this. Uh, let's let's try this analogy again. First of all, I want to say this. There are really good people in the Hebrew Roots Movement. There are some great people in the Hebrew Roots Movement. I, I totally agree with that. I have good friends who are in the Hebrew Roots Movement. Um, so and, and I know people who are not savvy with a lot of the theological debates or anything like that. They just love the Lord. You know, maybe they, I know a guy who helped, he's, he's a co-pastor at a uh, Pentecostal church, <clears throat> but goes to a Messianic synagogue on Saturday. And uh, I, I would consider him Hebrew roots uh, just because of some of the, the theology that he has. But he really loves the Lord and he is just a, he's a blessing. Every time I see him, uh, he is, he just brightens my day because he exudes the, the fruits of the spirit. You know what I mean? Joy, peace, patience, kindness, all that. He's just, that's who he is. And so I don't want anyone to think that I don't, I don't believe that there's really good people. There are some really good people in the Hebrew Roots Movement. There are. Okay, so with that said, what was I trying to get at? And first I should say, what we're, we are going to, t- actually, I'll, I'll say that later because we'll talk about it more. Uh, so what was I trying to say? And jump in here, here anytime, Rob, because I would like wanted to read you. You were saying you were, you sounded kind of harsh about Hebrew roots movement. Yeah. Jump. Yeah. Go ahead. And, and you wanted to maybe rephrase something you said. I don't know. I yeah. was so, so, but jump in anytime here. Here's, here's, I think I'm going to go for a new analogy. Okay, cool. I like analogies. Okay. So. Uh, back, I don't know how many hundreds of years ago, the Scots, right? They come up with golf. Okay. And they yeah, it reminds cre- me of that bugs. There's that classic bugs bunny. Right. Where he's, go- where he's golfing with the, with the kilt on, right? Yeah. 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 <laughs> okay. So, so the Scots come up with golf. They decide to take a stick and hit a ball into a hole really long ways away. Okay. <laughs> and who knows why? They were probably drinking the, the neighbors are like, poo, fooey, it'll never, it'll never catch on. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right. <laughs> and so then, then, uh, you know, years, years and years, years later, they, uh, they, they come, comes along 
these two groups, okay? And these two groups are the Hebrew Roots Movement and the Messianic Movement, okay? And they are somewhat distinct in, in the two movements, but they're, all, they're, they're both playing golf, right? Now, think about golf back in the 1970s, okay? Now, this once again, this is not meant to be a dig on any one group, but back in the 1970s, my dad, you know, in the 80s, I was born in the 80s, so in the mid-80s, my dad would watch golf. I remember this distinctly. These guys were walking around. They had pot bellies, right? They would be smoking a cigarette on the green, okay? They, they'd have like a hoagie sandwich and a beer in between holes, right? I mean... They were not the model of health, okay? But they were the best golfers in the world, okay? So they had found something that they were not only good at, but that they had elevated. They had elevated this, this game, okay, to something better, okay? Now, as time progresses, right, people are building off of what these guys did. Some of these legends who were literally putting with a cigarette hanging out their mouth, and now you get to like today and even in the early 2000s, th things are like innovating more and more. You're getting better equipment. You're getting all these things. So they're building off the past. Okay. And now you come into like the 2020s and you see these guys who are pro golfers and they are on heavy diets. They're, you know, muscle building diets. They're going to the gym all the time. They are legit athletes, right? And they're doing that because they've realized that if they stay in shape and they eat right and they become world-class athletes, guess what? They can hit the ball even farther and they can do even better and shave strokes off, okay? I see the Torah movement as a whole, and that includes all of it, the Hebrew Roots movement, the Messianic movement, whatever else you want to throw in there with it. I see this all as kind of like that progression. You have people come in in the 80s and they, they've got some really great stuff, okay? But they haven't quite figured all of it out. And now as we're coming into like the 2020s, there's a younger generation that's building off that, that first generation, that first, you know, the, the, the people who came first, and it's getting better and better. And what I mean by better and better is the theology is becoming locked in. You know, throughout from twenty from two thousand to twenty twenty, there's still no Hebrew roots like official uh, doctrine or faith statement or anything like that. All you have is teachers. That's it. And so when I, I responded to the gentleman who and I, I legitimately respect this this person who who emailed me. And so I emailed him and I said, I understand what you're saying. However, when we tour around, one of the things that we notice with people who call themselves Hebrew Roots is that they tend to learn under teachers in the Hebrew Roots movement. And inevitably, they're going to adopt those theologies of that teacher. And we're going to talk about this more and more. And so ultimately, the question is, is do the Hebrew Roots teachers have good theology? And I would argue that for the most part, I have not found a Hebrew Roots teacher that doesn't have some pretty, pretty large theological error. Um, and we could talk, each one, each, each teacher has, you know, has their own, uh, their own kind of flavor and comes with their own theology, you know, their own little twists. And so it's, it, I'm not trying to, when I, last week I wasn't trying to down the Hebrew Roots movement or the Messianic movement. What I was trying to show 
actually is that the younger generation of Torah observant believers, you can call them Christians, you can call them pronomian, you can call them Hebrew roots, you can call them messianic, you can call them whatever you want. That younger generation is realizing, hey, we got to get education. We have to lock down, you know, foundational theology. We can't, everybody can't just be a lone ranger. And because of that, all of a sudden, the generation that's coming up right now in the Torah movement, they're the ones who are going to lock in like legit good theology. And it remains to be seen where that's going to be. And Scott in the chat room says, the internet is today's cigarette. I agree. Yeah. The, <laughs> the, the internet is. Yeah, probably- it's true. They say sitting is the new smoking. And what are but people the- sitting? They're on the internet. Right. But, but the, I think the point is, is that most Just like of me the, right I, now, I'm sitting, I'm on the, on I the would internet. say that I would say that most, if not like, I can't think of one Hebrew roots teacher that has a legitimate like seminary education. I'm sure they're out there. I'm not trying to say that there aren't them. I just can't think of one right now. And so because of that, you have guys who have, and to what Bobby's saying, oh no, I'm sorry. What Scott is saying is that, you know, these, these people are getting their education from the internet and, and that inevitably is going to bring problems, but it's something, but in, in defense of the younger Hebrew roots generation, it's something that they've realized. So you have the younger guys in the Hebrew, you know, the younger teachers of the Hebrew roots movement, not as a whole, but uh, you know, some of them are going and getting legit seminary educations and for, and that's good. They're going to build off of, you know, they're going to figure out, they're going to have to work out some theology within the movement. What do you think, Rob? Well, I would say, I mean, back to Yeshua, I like, I like to think about his words at least once a month. Um, (laughs) I sure. He says, you know, a student's not above his teacher. And that's what I hear you saying um, is that, you know, the, the, and I think back to the analogy of golf or, or athletics, I think of uh, Jim Brady or Tom Brady, sorry, Tom Brady. Um, I think of um, the next NFL court. If, if, if I'm just going into NFL land, I'm not a huge follower of the NFL. It's just, I just, I'm aware of the super athletes, right? If there's going to be an, if there's going to be another quarterback, that will displace Brady's accomplishments. He's going to have to work harder than Brady. Right. It's not going to be handed to him on a silver platter. He's going to have to work. He's going to have to learn what Brady did and exceed that. It was the same thing with when, when, when I was a teenager, I was a big basketball fan in the early eighties, Dr. J. So I, I tracked the Lakers, the Celtics, and the 76ers, et cetera. And then this guy from North Carolina went to Chicago, you know, Michael Jordan, and he, he, it was no going back. He raised the bar of what an, what an NBA athlete could do. And then it changed the game. Yeah. And then, and, and the same thing. So if someone like you had maybe a LeBron James, someone who came and was even a, a contender to displace Jordan, his accomplishments, you're going to have to, same thing. You're going to have to work harder than what they worked. 
And that's, that's what I see. This, that's not just true in athletics. That's true in, in, uh, well, the classic competition between, you know, like IBM and Apple, Apple like, you right. know, you know, like the PC versus the Mac world. Um, you see it in, uh, you know, you see an innovator like Elon Musk with the, uh, electric vehicle ch- game changer. Now you have Chevy making a new, you know, electric truck, all these, all these cars now are starting to jump on board, but who set the, who set the pace? Right. Yeah. This someone came along and, and set the pace. Okay. So if, if this is true, back to analogies or comparisons, call the Homer. If this is true in the realm of just humanity coming up with inventions and clever ideas or skills. Another is we talked about this the other day, Caleb was, is uh, classical music performance, like with a cello or violin, like the classical stringed instruments that have been around. I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but the, des- the basic design of like the best cello that you ever owned or own, when was that actually designed in the, 15, uh, 16th, 17th century, maybe 17th, 18th century. It's been around for what, 300 years, the same pretty much design, right? Same with the violin. Um, and these uh, instruments stay the same. And what happens is every generation, you have a new level of mastery of the best performers and they raise the bar. And how does that bar get raised? Because they have to learn from all the masters Right. There, there's no, for example, there's no uh, like a, the best accomplished violinist or maybe even cellist. Guaranteed, they're going to have a basic repertoire, right? They're going to know some Bach. They're going to know some Mozart. They're going to know some Beethoven. Right. And it's, and, and the fingerings are going to be the same as they were 200 years ago. I don't know why. What you're saying is, is, is perfect. But I don't know why, but it reminds me of a story. Cool. Oh, I, I, love tr- I love true it. True story. Oh, I, I had yeah. a I had a I had a uh, cello teacher, and she was uh, very expensive, and she was rated as one of the third best cellists in the, in, in Germany. Did you ever, point. when you got to her house, did you ever say cello? <laughs> no, um, <laughs> <laughs> I did not. Um, she was also really good friends with Yo-Yo Ma, and so Yo-Yo Ma would she was she was constantly on the phone with Yo-Yo Ma and you know talking to him about his concerts that he was playing all this kind of stuff. Well, Did you ever ask him uh, could he walk the dog? <laughs> Sorry. Oh my gosh! Wow, it's it's the, the the dad jokes are strong with you today. Okay, so Ma comes to Seattle, right? And of course, my <laughs> That's teacher calling for short Ma. It's his last name, bro. <laughs> it's like if I called you Van Hoff. <laughs> Are you I sure? Want? I thought in Asian cultures, it's like they say the last name first. I don't know, man. Okay, this is a mock. I'm so far. Go ahead. Good gracious, dude. What has happened to you? You've melted down in just seconds. Okay, <laughs> so funny. anyway, sorry, go ahead. Okay. Ma comes to Seattle, the great, right? And uh, we get my teacher gets tickets. And so we go Sweet. to we well, we actually went and saw him practice beforehand, which was amazing. I got to I held his Stradivarius. That's not part of the story. But what? Anyway, Wait a minute. Yeah. So I know. Pretty awesome, isn't it? <laughs> did he, what did he say? Hey, Caleb, will you hold this for a second? Like, <laughs> I said, can I touch your cello? He said, here, hold it while I sign this. 
<laughs> I said, okay. It's like probably insured for what? $5 million or I, Yeah, it's, it's, I mean, it's priceless, but I think the, I think the straddle is only worth 1.5. He left okay. it. Okay. Totally different story, but he left it in the back of a, of a <laughs> cab in New York on accident. Not the point. Okay. We're getting way off track here. So we're watching, we're watching during the first, during the first uh, half. Right. And uh, I think to myself, I have fairly decent pitch and when I say that I'm not trying to brag but I like it really bothers me when something is just a hair out of tune and a lot of the times I'll hear it and other people won't and I think to myself Yo-Yo Ma's out of tune he's off he's he's off just a hair so at the intermission I say to my teacher uh Yo-Yo Ma he was playing he was playing a little flat wasn't he you know what she said to me she said Yes, but he plays out of tune so well. It, I mean, it's the truth, right? I mean, those who have... And, the, and the, the reason that Yo-Yo Ma can get away with that, with being just a hair flat, is because he has practiced and devoted his life to being the best ever, right? And so even when he might have a mistake or even when he might have just be a little off... It doesn't matter because he's the best. Anyway, okay, let's. We have to address the challenge. Okay, so so real quick, let me finish that. Thank you for that. Please, sorry yes, for the go. funny, silly jokes. My point is this: <laughs> is that whether whatever the domain, the the domain where there's high competency, right, where there's skill and competency, you have what emerge over time are the best practices, and the best practices. Of by those who are devoted to that field, predict uh, predict excellent results. In other words, the 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 results are predictable and have have excellent quality. Right. And so, what happens? You have a new person come into the domain, and that's what happens. One one last story, and then I'll hand it back. Yeah. I watched this. My wife and I watched this. Uh, documentary that talked about the divers that in Thailand, when there was the flood and there was the little kids soccer team was trapped, man, I was brought to tears. It's it's so insane what the problem was and how they solved it. But the best Navy seals in the world did not know how to salt, to get to those kids. They had like three dudes who were amateur uh, cave divers. They did it just because they loved it. And they, they had done it for decades. Yeah. They had to call those guys and those yeah. guys trained the Navy SEALs. They say, this is what you have to do. And, and uh, they orchestrated this whole thing. It took a battle with the Thai government because the Thai government's like, we don't, why should we trust you guys? And the SEALs are like, look, these guys know their deal. And, and they had developed the skill out of just out of sheer love, but that sheer love Shouldn't all they, believers be like that? Well, yeah, they had never imagined that they would be in a situation like this, but they, in a way, God had trained, allowed them to pursue and excel at this beyond the level of a Navy SEAL right? for the love of it, just for the love of the adventure. And then they get called upon and the world is watching and they save every single one of those kids. And it's, uh, it's just another example of like, okay, so... You know what that, that reminds me of? 
Okay, another story. Let's hear. That reminds me of the Mandalorian, right? I forget what the what the it's like a cosplay troop or whatever. Yeah, they, but the, Baby Yoda, like, man. There's a bunch of guys who dress up, guys and ladies who dress up like uh, stormtroopers, right? And it's called like the 148th or something. And in the Mandalorian, they needed a bunch of uh, stormtroopers, and so they didn't know where they were going to get all the extras, and so they called up this troop. And the directors are like, it was perfect because we didn't have to tell them what to do. They all moved just like the stormtroopers. They knew exactly how to stand. And, how, you know, we didn't have to give them any direction. Okay. Well, let's address let's address the, the chat. Okay. Room. The point is this. The Bible's been around for longer than all these other um, domains where there's high competency required. Right. And you need teachers. Like, if I want to learn to climb Mount Everest, if my goal is to climb Mount Everest, I need to go train with people who've actually done that. I need to, yeah. I need to get the instruction and training by people who have actually done it. Not someone who just has a book with pictures in it and is telling me they know what to do. Right. And what I see in the, in the Bible world are too many people who they seem to be excited about the word of God, but they're running and running with a message before they themselves own the really own the message themselves. And so, and the, the, it's a fault of all humans. You know, we, it's easy for us to presume we know something that we don't know. And then there's also a bad habit in humans to, if they don't know something to like pretend we do, because we don't want to say, I don't know. Right. I mean, we're talking basic level integrity stuff, but some of it is just how people haven't been exposed to good teachers. Like in the nineties, Dude, it was. It was like Lou White's book, and it was um, who's the the Wootens? Yeah, I mean those were the books that the people I looked up to. Right. So I was in my mid twenties. I was looking up to people who were like they were in their thirties and forties. They were way accomplished and way ahead of me in life. I'm looking to them at elders, and that's their diet. Their diet was Israel. You know uh, who is Israel? Fossilized customs. Um, Eddie Chumney books. And that was their, uh, no one knew Hebrew, but yeah, okay. they, they were, they had hey, their message. We got it. We got to stop, man. The, the chat room is, is leaving us behind here. Okay. Uh, let's, let's address some of the stuff in the chat room and then we'll, then we'll keep talking about this. Uh, Bobby says, if only there was an online Institute for Torah resource. Uh, yeah, that's right. So if you want some education, uh, in biblical education, go to Torahresource.com, hover over Institute. You can find all the information there. Okay. Then we have Clayton says, most of the guys I followed and learned from had degrees in education, but now I realize they were way off of their theology. Okay. I completely agree. I'm not saying that people with degrees are going to be right, right. all the time. That doesn't solve the problem. That's not going to solve the problem. Discipleship however, to Yeshua this solves the problem. However, here's the difference. You got guys in the with degrees, okay? At least they know their languages. They can parse uh, you know, a word in Hebrew. Then you got guys who purport to have studied Hebrew for 25 years in the Hebrew roots movement who legitimately have never taken a formal Hebrew class and don't know what in the world they're talking about. Yeah. That's like your Lou white kind of thing. But and, here's and, but on the flip and, side, you have your, teaching your, it, they, go ahead. Your Bart Ehrman guys who are right. experts in the language. So, so there's multiple skills that need to be developed together. 
that's that's the point. It's not just Bible language competency. It's not it's not just a desire to give your life and to to serve well, Yeshua's flock. It, and, in a, in a and Brand, Brandon is right in the chat room. He says the Holy Spirit is a part of that. Right, exactly. Uh, you know, Bart Ehrman obviously doesn't have the Holy Spirit because he denies Christ. Yet at the same time, you got people who accept Christ. So the Holy Spirit obviously plays into this question for both of you. Do you think part of the issue is being taught what to think biblically versus how to think biblically? Yeah, I think that that's part of it. Um Clayton says... Say that again. Say that oh, no. again. Do you think that part of the issue is being taught what to, th- what to think biblically versus how to think biblically? That's possible. But, but here's the thing. Within the, within the Hebrew Roots movement, you got guys who say that they know how to think biblically. And they're just not going to accept what they've been, you know, what's been being taught. And so they deny, because they don't actually know how to think biblically, they deny things that are central doctrines like the deity of Christ, the Trinity, the stuff like this. So, well, uh, they, they, but they think they're thinking biblically. Of course they do. Like I, I've had countless people say the word Trinity is not in the Bible. So it's not in my vocabulary kind of thing. So Carl uh, brings up a, a really interesting point here. Sorry, keep going. I, you weren't finished. No, that's, with it, your, that's it. That's I'm, it. I'm, I got so many things going on. Carl, uh, where was it? Carl brings up a really good point. He says, I think what Caleb is referring to is there isn't a lot of places for us to learn from. So these guys are inventing stuff. No scholarship. So yeah, I, there's a market. I, I, under, yeah. I understand what you're saying. However, I think that one of the things that I've learned in my experience at seminary is this. You get out of it what you put into it. People who go in attempting to change everybody's mind on the idea that you, that Christians should be keeping the Sabbath or that, you know, the festivals should still be kept today. You're not, why would you do that? You know, there are really good seminaries, Christian, Baptist, uh, you know, seminaries, not even Baptist. There's just great seminaries all around the United States and the world that teach things like, things like, uh, you know, biblical languages, biblical theology, Old Testament, dude, at Southern Baptist Theological Seminary, my uh, intro to the Old Testament one and two class was dynamite. I learned so much from that class. I took it because I thought, what am I going to, you know, this will be an easy class. I'm going to have a child while this class is going on. So I'll take this class because it'll just be a breeze. It was not a breeze. It was intense and it was fun and I learned a lot. So you, there are places to learn out there. It's just whether or not you're humble enough to say, there are some things I'm going to disagree with, but I can still learn from these people. Um, okay. I'm against getting degrees and being educated, but I'm not against getting edu- Okay. Okay. Uh, sorry. John McKee has a degree. He does. And actually, McKee's degree, even though I disagree with him on some doctrines, McKee's degree shines forth in the way that he writes. He does his research. Okay. Um, Could you guys talk about using Torah in communities of believers? Yeah, the Torah should be the foundation of our communities. Everything goes back to the Torah, in my opinion. Um, Okay, hang on. Oh, Carl once again asks, Jeff Benner. I got the same question yesterday. Jeff Benner. Jeff Benner says that he has 25 years of Hebrew experience. He's very into word pictures. 
I could be stay totally wrong. It. Stay away from it. Yeah, stay away from it. I could be completely wrong, but I have looked and looked and looked and looked to see where Mr. Benner got any kind of Hebrew education, and I have not been able to find it. I've asked. I've sent an email to him asking uh, where he learned Hebrew, and I have not he received jumped, He basically followed the logic of what Lou White was has been teaching all along, starting in the at least in the 90s, maybe before that. Lou White could have done it earlier is the idea that you take each letter makes it like a little caveman cartoon picture. And then you interpret that. And that has, those are units of meaning. And that's, that is, that's invention. That's human invention. That's not how anybody in the Bible taught. Right. <laughs> um, so stay away from that. Unless, well, you know, if you, if you're entertained by it, uh, you know, and you want to stick with it, you're wasting your life. You're wasting your life. Why don't you tell go, us how go, you really feel? Go actually feel learn rough. learn Hebrew, you know, and and stay away from the fanciful, you know, stuff like that. Hey, uh, listen, I I've never met Mr. Benner. He might, I'm, I'm sure. So he's talked about highly by a lot of people. I'm sure that he's a very nice person. He probably loves the Lord with all of his heart, and that's why he, uh, you know, puts out the stuff that he's putting out. However. No, he wait a minute, not, wait a minute, wait a minute. That's why he's lying to people? I don't think he thinks that. He thinks that he, in his opinion, he's he's putting Yeah, but out, that, that's between, so so. do you think, how long does God let people live in a lie? If if they really love him. Yeah, I, I don't know about that. I, I'm. I, all I'm saying To me, is there's I, no excuse by now. The messianic movement, whatever it is, is way too far developed to have people still teaching Hebrew word pictures. Oh, it's, I agree. It's, 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 that was like the eighties and nineties called and like, and the whole, the whole, it's like this, it's like, you know, everybody advanced to real violins and I'm playing symphonies and you've got people still like plucking around on a plastic, you know, Kmart <laughs> violin telling people, this is how to make the music. Yeah, it's yeah, it's. It, I mean, people are just throwing out names from the Hebrew roots movement now. Stay away. That's. I mean, ultimately, there's there's maybe uh, there's maybe a, a a person or two that that uh, names of the Hebrew roots teachers that could be put out there that where I'd say, yeah, they got some some good things to say. Um, but for the most part, I think that the the I think what you what you just said exemplifies how I think of the Hebrew roots teachers, at least the, 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 the old guard. And what I mean by that are those who, who have been around for some time in teaching. Uh, and that is the nineties called, they want their theology back. It's, uh Oh, my, my, camera you know, I've, just... I've encountered this so many times over the years, uh, you know, that people who are, have some sort of conviction about how to read Hebrew when they don't know Hebrew, and I and and I'm dealing with them, and I I have a degree in Hebrew. I I understand Hebrew. I'm not perfect. I'm not fluent, but I I I can hold my own. And I'm trying to tell somebody, look, you need to learn. Oh, da 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 da. And they're they're eschewing that advice. They're eschewing that wisdom. And I'm like, look, in five years, five years will have gone by, and you're going to be in the same place. You're, you're still going to be in your, in the little kiddie pool splashing around when, if you adopt a, a, 
a plan to like, I'm going to climb that mountain. In five years, you could be like a stellar, you could have excellent Hebrew skills. And, and you, in acquiring those skills, you would stop, you would clean up a lot of this cloudy nonsense thinking that you're abiding in. And, yeah. and five years go by and that's I, I, what I said is true. They're still in this, in this weird space. And, and it's like, you know what? I'm not, I, I can't care about your development more than you care about your own development. And those are the, I, you know, I'm not going to help you. I'm, you know, either, there is a path that you need to take. If you, if you're going to presume to be a Bible teacher, that there's, there's no time for these speculative, you know, oh, the earth is flat. Oh, oh the Hebrew word pictures. Oh, the, the canon is, they've lied to you. Oh, all this, all this stuff that grips people and they take it and run with it, you know. That is, there's no time for that anymore. You have to be serious. And, and it's, it's what John the Baptist said, the ax is at the root of the tree. Bear, for, bear fruit, meat of repentance, or you're getting chopped off and thrown into the fire. That, that's where we're at. Because the call is getting more and more sharp and intense. And the people who've been lollygagging around are going to be left behind. Because they never latched on to truth. They were all about t- the ears. What's tickling my ears? Okay. It's a good conversation, but we only got 15 minutes left. And I want to I want to get to Carl's question. So this is going to bring forth a lot of... Sorry about the uh, the camera issues. My camera overheated. <laughs> yeah, I like, I like the, uh, the chops there. <laughs> <laughs> what do you mean? I can see why Yo-Yo Ma said, hey, hold my... million cello. (laughs) Like you look like, like you're not going to let anything happen to that thing. All right, here we go. Uh, This is from Carl in the chat room. And uh, so, okay. I, I edited down some of the pauses and whatnot. The the, uh, phone message was originally three and a half minutes and that's great. I got it down to a minute and 44 seconds. It's longer than we would normally play. However, Carl kind of hashes out, some of his background, but also then into multiple points. And it's a little bit soft, so you're going to have to listen. My name's Carl Mathias. Just a little background. Uh, I'm 60, going to be 63 years old. I've had a couple questions about Ezekiel. Sometimes my wording is not understandable sometimes, so excuse me. A um, little background, uh, almost 30 years of law enforcement. Um also was a Baptist, independent Baptist preacher. Bible college, didn't graduate from seminary, went two years of seminary from man did. Um, wanting to know your opinion, the question is, wanting to know your opinion on Joe Good, been studying under him about his temple course. South Carolina, which I lived, we were involved in the Messianic Judaism Fellowship and got into the no-hide laws, oral Torah, listened to a bunch of stuff that your dad has done, and hang on just a sec. So we've already done shows on the Noahide laws. However, I just, for those who might be new to this program, it needs to be understood. The Noahide laws were not, <laughs> they were not a theology that was given like, oh, here, here are seven laws for the, for the Gentiles. It, it came from the Jews saying we have 613 laws, 
which is rabbinic, by the way. That's not legit. But anyway, we have 613 laws. The, Jew, the, the Gentiles only have seven, and they can't even keep seven. It was a down on the Gentiles. It was right, a. Right. It was not like a good thing for the Gentiles. So the and, fact and before that, they, that, it was the Torah is, is only for Israel, not for the whole world. Right, and the, and so the fact, that and then it the, was like, okay, then we'll tell you the details of that. The fact that you got the people in the in the uh, Hebrew roots movement. Well, I, I would say the Messianic movement actually within the Messianic movement trying to push the Noahide laws for the Gentiles. Uh, either shows ignorance or shows that they really don't like the Gentiles. One of the two. Okay, yeah, they've adopted a, a Talmudic worldview, thinking that's going to help right. the, help the gospel. <laughs> okay, you'll really yeah, you're you're really helping a lot there. <laughs> Here we go. Let's keep going with Carl's. Uh, yeah, thank you. Uh, let's keep going with Carl's uh, uh, voice message. Listen to a bunch of stuff that your dad has done and complete agreement. Uh, I I saw myself. Uh, slipping into that trap, but uh, the fellowship that was involved in, uh, he is in a Shiva course under R- Rabbi Shapira. A bunch of questions in one. Right? Joe Good doesn't take the same position, I don't think, the fellowship that I was with does, where they think that Orator includes the big umbrella of Mishnah, Pesetta, Talmud, etc. Whereas I think Joe is just specifically dealing with the Mishnah wanted to know what um, your dad's opinion is on um, Joe, Mishnah, Shapira. Rico Cortez, um, I've listened to a lot. And again, I'm, I'm not against oral Torah, but I am against oral Torah when it's put at the same level as the scriptures. Okay. I think, first of all, I think that we have a couple of things. Uh, our our uh, stream keeps going in and out, so we might play the last part of that for those who missed it. Um, but ultimately, the question is, you know, uh, Joe Good, what is the opinion on Joe Good? For those who don't, and look, we have, uh, we have new listeners who are, I would say they're not part of the Torah movement at all. They're Christians. They're mainstream Christi- Christians. And so some of these names, people are probably going, I don't know who in the world these people are. And that's <clears throat> fine. Um, you're probably better off that way. Uh, Joe Good is a teacher. He uh, he came from Worldwide Church of God. A lot of people don't know that. He came from Worldwide Church of God. And uh, he came into the, into the Hebrew Roots Movement in the, in the 80s and really helped kind of bolster the, the Hebrew Roots Movement. He was really big into the temple and, uh, and into understanding temp- the temple and those kind of things. Uh, he has since uh, partnered with Rico Cortez. And Rico Cortez and him travel around. And uh, 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 Good uh, does, um, does a whole course on just that, the temple. And he uses a lot of like the Mishnah and the, and I think, I don't know if he uses the Talmud. I've never taken the course. Obviously I would never do that. Um, And the reason why is because if you want to, uh, I mean, just walk down the road for just a second. uh, There is a great two and a half hour debate online on YouTube. You can find it. It's between James White and Michael Brown together fighting against, uh, uh, Anthony Buzzard and Joe Good on whether or not Yeshua is divine. So the deity of Christ. Joe Good uh, says, no, he's not divine. 
at that point, that's a hard stop for me. Any teacher who says that Yeshua is not divine, he is not yod heh vav in the flesh, hard pass. There's, I mean, I have nothing to, I, I'm not going to listen to that. Unless we're talking about, now there are exceptions to this, of course. There are unbelieving uh, scholars that, uh, that do have some good things to say in specific areas. Okay, so for instance... I've found uh, some interesting historical facts from uh, Mark Nanos, who is not a believer. He is a Reformed Jew, and he is a Paul scholar. And so he's written on Romans, and he's brought up some very interesting points about the historical background of the Book of Romans. So those kind of things. Um, you know, I've, I've gleaned from, from others who are not necessarily believers. However, if you got guys who, especially in the quote-unquote Hebrew roots movement, uh, that are preaching against the deity of Christ, I, I, I really don't understand why I would be listening to those people. Um, a, a perfect example of this would be Nehemiah Gordon. I'm not sure why anyone would listen to Nehemiah Gordon. It doesn't make any sense. But uh, he also, so our friend Carl here, he also says that he, uh, that the fellowship he was part of, um, the fellowship he was a part of was doing a course by Itzhak Shapira. And, um, well, the fact is, is that Itzhak Shapira oh. denies the Trinity. He, uh, he doesn't, he calls himself now Dr. Rabbi Itzhak Shapira. I've looked and looked. I can't find anywhere where he got his degree. I think it was an honorary doctorate. Um, From a... <laughs> right. That makes me laugh. <laughs> I somewhere we I wrote a review of of his kosher pig book, but I just yeah. looked in the articles on our website and I'm, I don't see it, so I'm not sure where it is. But we I'll, can find I'll that. we'll we'll get it up there. Um, he, he's, he bases everything very heavily on, um, on Kabbalah. And so he believes on a some, very limited understanding of Kabbalah yeah. too. He's not a, he's not a trained, he's not <laughs> he's a rabbi. another guy. He reminds me of like a Jeff Benner. Like he is trying to, he goes and tries to learn something in one domain and then, you know, tries to sell something. Yeah. Well, like he's, try, I mean, he's, the, he's the, selling the, an idea that that is a distortion of the word of God. Plain and simple. And it's it's sad that there are leadership in communities that allow him a platform. I think that's shameful. It is shameful. But to allow him a platform is is it, it's, it's shocking. derelict. It's neglect. It sh- it's it, ne- sho- it it's, shows that people don't know their theology. They don't yeah, know exactly. what he's teaching. It it's because they're open to uh to the tickling of ears. Well, he, okay, wait, they, they haven't learned got, to say wait, no. Wait, you, we got you have to, care- to learn got, to say no. Okay, we got to be careful though. And here's the reason why is because someone like Carl in the chat room, right? He's going to this Messianic Jewish synagogue. Yeah, it's not his he's, fault. I'm he, not saying he's it's learning his fault. all this new stuff. He's probably super pumped about it, right? And then what happens? These people bring in Itzhak Shapira. They bring in a class from Itzhak Shapira. And yeah, that's not is, shepherding. Yeah, it's not. That, that's so, that's not Carl's problem. I mean, right. it, it ultimately becomes something Carl has to deal with. Yes, but but that's on the the shepherds. The shepherds ha- are supposed to protect. Right. The shepherds have to make sure the food is good. Like if you have an animal, even do you make sure that you feed your animal healthy food? Right. I mean, if if you do that for your animal, I mean, we we what do we put in our bodies? Do we watch what we put in our bodies? 
you know, and how much more are the shepherds supposed to, to fight and protect so that the food for the flock is fresh and nourishing and good. So, I mean, you have Joe Good denies the deity of Christ, okay? You have Itzhak Shapira, uh, who denies the Trinity, believes in Kabbalah, and is just totally messed up on all sorts of stuff. By the way, he says that Metatron is Yeshua, which is legitimate heresy. That is heresy. Yeah, it's just, yeah, the guy the guy should not be listened to at all. That's just, and, it's... That, and then the last name that came up was Rico Cortez. And here's the thing. Once again, Rico Cortez denies the deity or denies the Trinity. He says the, the Trinity is not. And if you push him hard enough, somebody needs to ask Rico if Yeshua is yod heh vav in the flesh. Besides me, because I did. But somebody else needs to ask Rico if, if Yeshua is yod heh vav in the flesh. I, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to bet you get a, a whole lot of dancing around that question. Um, the fact is, is that you're, you know, you got, the problem is, is you got people who are giving up on foundational doctrines, foundational doctrines of our faith. And these people are the people, are the teachers of the Hebrew roots movement. Now, once again, we have a younger generation that's coming up and I think that they are, uh, you know, they're trying to tote the line of, of the foundational, the foundational issues. And so we'll have to see, we will have to see what happens in that. Uh, and the chat room has noticed now that I said the word heretic. No, I don't. I didn't. I didn't say heretic. I No, I didn't say heretic. I said heresy. I said that Itzhak Shapira uh, teaches that Yeshua is Metatron, and that is heresy. That is heresy. Because Metatron, if you look into the, the rabbinical writings on He's on a Decepticon. Metatron, yeah. Uh, it, who, for those who don't know, and I know that we're, we're in some weird territory here, but... Uh, Within within the Jewish uh, mystical writings, uh, Enoch is elevated to the role of angel, and then he becomes the scribe angel, and then he is elevated to, and this is not a joke, he is elevated to the degree of lesser yod heh That's what he's called, lesser yod heh So, and Enoch has a beginning. beginning. He is a created being. And what's, what Itzhak Shapira and others say is that Yeshua is Metatron. Uh, if you don't understand that there is a major problem with that, then please go back and read, you know, John, the book, the Gospel of John, or Colossians, or Romans, or, I mean, it's, it's pretty shocking. So, I, I mean, ultimately, here's the thing. We... I think one of the things that the that those who are coming into the Torah movement need to understand is there are some really great things in the Torah movement. There are. There is a a a focus on the covenants of God. There's a focus on the Torah, and that is the foundation of the apostolic scriptures. It's the foundation of of a lot of the uh, a lot of the 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 biblical texts. Right is the Torah. It goes back to the Torah. So learning about the Torah and, and and diving into the Torah is a wonderful thing. There is just there's there's so much that can be gleaned there. And I and I'm not saying that people shouldn't do that. But if you don't have a solid handle 
on the on the foundational elements of our faith, which are the deity of Christ, the doctrine of the Trinity, the 66 book canon, okay? Even the five solas. If you don't have a, a good handle on these, just stop. Just stop right now, take a breath, and read and just keep reading the Bible. You don't need to go to these teachers like Joe Good and Rico Cortez and you know these guys who are teaching, you know, they're do they have good things to say? I'm sure that they have some good things to say. But if they're going to be feeding, if they're going to be putting strychnine in the water that they're serving to everybody, it's not going to matter how much water's in there. The strychnine is going to is going to take over. And that's what these guys are doing. Okay, I found the link. I'm putting two links into. Oh, there it's already in there. By the way. Oh, is it? Michael oh, thank you. wrote. Michael wrote above an unrecognizable Messiah. A critical review of Itzhak Shapira's The Return of the Kosher Pig. And oh, we cool. will have, thank you. We will have. Uh, we'll have uh, Mike post that in the uh, article section as well. Um, I think it's in there. I just didn't know where to find it. Anyway, cool. So listen to what Carl says. This is what Carl says. I spoke to Rico for about an hour justifying Joe Good's position. Rico said Yeshua is divine, but not God. Yeshua is divine, but not God. This is so the teacher know, that people are listening better. to? He knows better, I guess. Rico knows better than... That the right Bible. there, my friends, is called strychnine. Uh, Who are they trying to please? I don't know, man. I like I don't I don't want to I don't want to guess on motives. I'm gonna I'm gonna assume that people's motives are good, but uh, I I think that uh, I think that that right Why? there is Why? Why do we assume the motives good? Well, is that uh, I mean at 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 some point when when how long are you going to just assume? I mean, because this is a good question. You know, it says in the Bible, it says, God says, vengeance is mine, I will repay. And so from that view, it's like, okay, you know what? Free speech and all that. But when you call it strychnine, that, that strychnine kills, and you have to fight to protect and preserve what is, what is untainted, right? Yeah. Joshua again. So m multiple witnesses. The wolf here. in sheep's clothing. Yeshua says a wolf in sheep's clothing. Why is the wolf in sheep's clothing? It's not good intention. It's good. It's good intention for, the, for the wolf's agenda. It's it's in alignment with the wolf's agenda, but it's not good for in the world of sheep. The people who really love the sheep care about the health of the sheep. And those who care about the health of the sheep are going to research and learn what makes a sheep healthy and what keeps a sheep healthy and protected. That's the, it's, that's that simple. And the people who are feeding strychnine to sheep are the, are hirelings or, uh, or wolves in sheep clothing. They don't really care about the flock, but they're, profiting off the flock. Yeah. Do you care about Yeshua? Do you care about his flock? That's the question. If so, you're going to, and you feel called to, to defend the word of God, 
then you're going to do that for that purpose out of that love of Yeshua. If you are, if you see, if, you know, oh, I'm going to go make some money in the messianic well realm. I'm going to publish books on Hebrew word pictures, or I'm going to mix up some teaching of Kabbalah, or I'm going to, I'm going to add some of these books that are, were kicked out of the Bible, but they really belong in, and I'm going to sell and make a name for myself. Those people are going to hell. That's what it is. Those are the people that Yeshua says, get out of here. You have no inheritance with me. I never knew you. In fact, you caused damage to my people. Because you were self, you were all absorbed with your own fleshy agenda. And you never even learned anything about me. That's how I feel about these people. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm not positive, but I think we just had the Hoff goes off. <laughs> yeah, and the, the chat room is affirming the Hoff goes off. So if, I, I, hope this is, uh, I hope this is appropriate. Here we go. Bow your sense it! All right. Yeah. Rob is in spicy mode again. <laughs> From dad jokes to bad dad, dad jokes. jokes to the Hoff goes off. Okay. For, for those, for all of our new subscribers, by the way, we just hit 7,800 subscribers uh, yesterday. Hopefully one of those is Shapira. <laughs> And for those who are new to the to the show, uh, what you just heard was uh, you got to go way back. I think that's season one or two uh, when we when we created the Hoff goes off uh, for for situations just like that when when Rob Van Hoff gets uh, gets heated under the collar. All right, hey man, I always like a show where the Hoff goes off, so I think we're gonna stop right there because you know what, stop while you're ahead. Um, yeah, if you have uh, things to say about that, if you want to write in, I mean, the stories in the chat room of of people talking to Rico Cortez now about the deity of Christ abound. So that's yeah. There you I, go. I th- people should just call him. Keep calling him and asking him. Well, I think I think it's it's an established fact at this point. I've talked to him. Uh, you know, other people in the chat room obviously have. So on the Joe and- Good side, just one more comment. You know, there's all sorts of. Uh, there's precedence to that. Like Alfred Adersheim in the late 1800s was a Jewish believer in Jesus. He wrote in English, the temple and its services, right? You know, the life and times of Jesus, the Messiah. And he, what he did, he went and he thought, wow, all this stuff is available in English now, right? All this stuff, like the works of Philo and Josephus had been translated into English. Not so much rabbinic stuff yet. Uh, by the by, the 1800s, uh, not as accessible in terms of, you know, Neusner in the 70s and 80s was the real force. Although some rabbinic stuff had been translated into English earlier in the 20th century, but for Edersheim, it was like you know what, there's the New Testament just assumes stuff about the temple right? That, that it doesn't give us details. So it's like, I want to read through Philo. I want to read through Josephus and maybe even into the later rabbinic stuff. So you, which has a general 
soundness when it comes to method. Okay, I'm going to look at first century sources. So I'm going to look at Philo and Josephus, right? And then I'll look at post-destruction sources, like, you know, early rabbinic stuff, the Mishnah, like Carl said, the Tosefta. But those are getting later now, third, fourth, fifth century AD. But the idea is like, I'm going to see what I can learn about the temple from these other sources and then kind of cut and paste and, and take all these little pieces and then see if I could create a picture. And then I'm going to re and then I'm going to call that picture the background for the gospels. And then I'm going to take my little cut and paste Jesus and I'm going to walk him around the world that I created by referring to these other writings. And in general, that seems like, yeah, that seems like a rational approach. And it, it, it is rational. There is a general soundness. However, what has happened in the last hundred years, we've had a lot of new information come, particularly the Dead Sea Scrolls. We've had numerous excavations of synagogues, Temple Mount, and all this kind of stuff that has reshaped our understanding from an archaeological perspective, not from a, a sound uh, uh, reference to these texts. And Additionally, we've learned that texts have agendas. We start to learn, you know, Josephus ha has an agenda. You know, the rabbis have an agenda. You know, Philo has an agenda. And so we learn that agenda matters, but we also learn that time and space. Looking at the Babylonian Talmud, you know, you know most of the, of the rabbis cited in the Talmud, the Babylonian Talmud, never lived in Israel. They never saw a temple, but yet they're talking about it as if they have. Right. But so if I take their conversation from fifth, sixth century Mesopotamia, and they're talking about the length of this temple thing and this other thing, and it's like, oh, that must be valid. No. So what we've learned is that that general method, while chronology is good, looking at sources carefully is good. We have to allow each, we have to, we have to, we have to cross-examine each witness in a way and qualify the voice. And that's super important. And what, what had happened early, and this happened even in the 20th century, unqualified cherry-picking from the rabbinic literature to try to adorn the words of Yeshua as if somehow he's just now a Talmudic sage. Like he's on the same page as all the rabbis, you know? And it's like, no, there's, he was rejected. He was rejected. And, and you, you, there's a difference. There's a difference between Talmudic worldview and the worldview presumed by the Gospels. And if you conflate those, you, you conflate it to your own peril, your own danger. The pure word of God, the Gospels, what we have is the apostolic writings and, uh, and the, the Tanakh together. That's it. That's your canon. That's the Holy Spirit. If you are start bringing in these other things and treating them inappropriately, that's a different spirit. You have to, and this is back to the violin, the football, the golf, the, the competency. If I'm going to start dealing in this precise stuff, it's like brain surgery in some ways, and I'm selling my, the product of my labor as food for 
believers or people interested in the Bible. Ooh, there's a reason why James says, don't be quick to be called a teacher. Right. All right. We got to stop there. It's been fun. It's been real. If you want to be part of the conversation, you can do so. 253-465-3205. It's 253-465-3205. You can also shoot us an email, chegatorresource.com, C-H-E-G-G at torresource.com. We certainly do appreciate all of it, and we build our show off of it. All right. Uh, let's see here. We hope that this show has done at least one thing, and that is to glorify our great God and Savior, Yeshua the Messiah. Why? You know why. Because Messiah matters. Messiah matters.